we're so glad you're here. And I want you to know, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to tell you, there's hope here. You may have come in here with no hope. If you will listen, if you will receive, if you will seek after the Lord, you will find hope. There is hope in the Lord, and there is true hope. Not the kind of hope that you get from, your, from the world, not the kind of hope that you may get from your boss or from your 401k. There is real hope. There is real hope here. And God has a purpose for you. You are here on this earth. You are in Cookville, Tennessee, all good Tennessee. You are at church on the hill on purpose. God has a purpose for you. So if you would, we're going to open up the word of God, and I want you to open up your hearts and your minds and your spirit to what the Lord is saying, because he has a plan, and it's a good plan. Amen? Can we go into this whole section of church with a different attitude, looking for what God's plan is for my life, for your life? It's more than just hearing a message. It's a purpose. It's hope. It's a plan. Today we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want you to know we're, we're going through some stuff as a nation. Um, I try very hard. Um, can I just ask you all to put your big boy pants on and don't get offended for just a moment? Big girl pants on. Because I try very hard not to talk politics at all. Anytime the word politics comes up, I don't know if you've ever been at a family meal the best way to have some good, nasty fights is to talk about politics. I once had my parents tell me at a family meal, do not bring up politics. So I thought, why? So I did. And OMG. I could not believe what I, what I witnessed. Same thing in the church. If we went to just take a section of the church, we're divided. Half on one side, half on the other. Both are crazy. Both aren't right. Both are messed up. But I want you to know that regardless of what's going on with the political race and everything there, the only way to change a nation is to change a family. You change the family, the nation will turn. Not the president, not our government, but the family. God started us with family. Noah was in a family. Adam and Eve was in a family. Jesus Christ, God did not send his son outside a family. He sent him inside a family. And he sent him as a child to learn from his mom and dad. It wasn't one of these things where he knew everything and he didn't need mom and dad. Nope, mom and dad instructed him in the way that he should go. So I want to encourage you. We have the ability as a church family, as well as an individual family, to change our nation, to change our city. Our family can change our city, change our nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn, we can change a nation. We can. So let's just dive into Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Here we go. Listen. Everybody say listen. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, verse 5. And you, everybody say you, must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, verse 6. And you, everybody say you, must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today, verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. 
talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road and when you were going to bed and when you were getting up. Verse 8. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Verse 9. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, awaken our spirits, awaken our minds. You have created us. You have created us to be able to hear your voice. And Lord, we come in here with a lot of things that shut that voice off. Right now, in Jesus' name, as we've come into the, ch- to the church of Jesus Christ, we give you authority to open our ears, to open our minds, and to awaken our spirit. We are in your house, your rules, your kingdom, your authority. Awaken us this morning and let us learn in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You. Everybody say you. Say me. Who's that talking to? Me. It's talking to you. It's talking to me. Not your spouse. Not your family. Not your church. You. Everybody say you. Say me. Amen. I I think we got it. It always starts with me. Amen. We've got somebody listening. It's that simple. Childlike. Do you know that a child will repeat what they hear? Anybody ever had their child repeat what they heard? (laughs) It's awful. (laughs) Where'd you hear that? Never mind. Don't tell me. I know where you heard it. My wife. No, just kidding. (laughs) Y'all know my wife. That's not true. Not your spouse, not your family, you. What does it say in this scripture? We want to sometimes get ahead of ourselves and realize that we're supposed to be teaching our kids and doing all this stuff, but we miss the first part where it says you. You what? It first said you. Listen. Listen. We can learn. I don't care where you are in your stage of life. You go to Scripture and you look at anyone in their stage of life, they're always in a position to learn and to listen. God is still teaching. He never stops teaching no matter at the oldest or at the youngest age. And let me tell you, some of the youngest people were teaching the older ones and some of the oldest oldest people were teaching the younger ones. We can learn and God can speak through a donkey. Sometimes it takes a donkey to speak to us before we'll hear it. And we've seen in Scripture that even then they don't even recognize that it's the Lord speaking through the donkey. I think God's trying to speak. Listen, the Lord is your God. We say that he is our God. Number two, it says you love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your strength. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then he says again, you commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. That's before we get into the family. We have to get equipped. I am not qualified to sit down and talk at the dinner table until I fulfill this first part. 
if, if I don't fulfill this first part, what I do have to offer at the dinner table isn't effective. Do you hear me? I need to fulfill the first part to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and strength to commit wholeheartedly to the Lord. I think we make things too hard. I think we see that and think that's just too hard. It's not. You start right where you are. You don't start at the executive level. You start at the entrance level in the mailroom. You're just moving stuff around. You're just getting acclimated with how things work. You're making sure you're not getting run over by other employees. You make sure that you're not in the wrong place at the wrong time. You start to find out where do I fit? How does this work? And all of a sudden, you start moving up the ladder and you don't even know it. You don't even have to know it. Leadership knows what to do with you when you start to plug in. All of a sudden, leadership starts to see what you're capable of. I want to encourage you just for a minute. I had a conversation this week with with some people. You have value. Whether you know it or not, you may feel devalued. You may feel like you have no value. You may feel like you have zero self-worth. But I want you to know you do have worth. You have enough worth that Father God sent his son to die for you because he had a plan for you from day one. That plan has not changed. You just have to start where you are. Start where you are. Just start you. Then, as we start, I want you to know that the Lord has qualified me to raise my kids because he's given me my kids. My kids are a gift from God. He's qualified me and given me authority, expecting me to get into his word so that when I sit down at the table, I have the authority to speak into their life, whether they like it or not. Half the time, they don't like to hear me speak. I don't care. God did this. You got to listen. It's the way things work. How many of you don't raise your hand? You get to job and you don't like you get to your job and you don't like listening to your boss. Tough. It's the way things work. You better listen. Your life will go better if you listen and learn and grow. God's given me and my wife authority and position to be able to raise our kids. What an authority. What what a job. What a responsibility. It's incredible. But I need to have this in my heart so that when we sit down, that's what we will talk about. And then we go on. It says, repeat them again and again to your children. How can you repeat something that you don't know? I have to repeat. I have to know it well enough to be able to repeat it. Do you know you really have to know something to be able to teach it? Usually the teacher's the one that knows the most about it, and you're hoping that the students will get it. But for the most part, when I teach something, I really learn it. And as I teach it, I've got incredible kids that ask incredible questions that make me think, oh, I'm not sure. It's a great question. Let's sit down and let's think about that for just a minute. I don't really see God as being this type of God that would look at it that way. Or maybe, yeah, I can see kind of how he would see it. And next thing you know, we're talking together about godly things. But it says, repeat it again and again to your children. Talk to them about it when you're at home. Um, 
Do you realize how effective the dinner table is? Do you realize how much impact the dinner table has? I'm going to ask my wife to come up here and to share with us just for a minute um, the impact on families at the dinner table. Good morning. So this week um, I came home from class. It was Thursday afternoon, and we were looking at research about the family dinner table. And I started sharing it with Paul, and he said, I'm talking about this Sunday morning. I want you to share. And by this point, I had um, walked away from my notes, um, you know, hadn't really thought about it since. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you kind of just, just from memory what I remember about that research and what stood out to me. Um, but this is something that's been of interest to uh, human development for for quite a while now, I'd say since about the 1980s, we began to see that uh, family dinners were beginning to decrease. And it's interesting because if you read any big surveys, like, I don't know, any Casey's Kids Count, any, any surveys that follow children and like behavior, delinquent behavior, anything that you're interested in, a lot of times you'll see a question, um, you know, do you eat together as a family? That's something that we've been asking for a while now. So the data is coming in, and what we're noticing um, as family scientists is that the family dinners have decreased since about 1980. And what we're seeing is that as that number decreases, we see an increase in delinquent behavior. Um, we're seeing that when the family is strong, when there's family dinners, there's talking, there's sharing, there's so many things that happens at that family dinner table that children seek out better education, they're less likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, they're less likely to become pregnant or get someone pregnant. I mean, there are so many benefits to sitting down at the table with your family. And so we start to look at this family dynamic of what happens at the dinner table. And you know what? The truth is, sometimes we argue at the dinner table. I mean, how many of you can relate to this? This happens at our household, not every night by any means, but it happens on occasion. But you know what? That's a good thing. Because you know what? It's at the family dinner table you learn how to solve problems. You learn how to get along. You strengthen relationships. And so I want to encourage you that even if that happens at your family dinner table, that's a good thing because it's a teachable moment. Um, another thing that happens at the family dinner table is traditions are passed down. Customs are passed down. You know, these are things that we see as researchers, but what Paul's talking about, loving the Lord and passing that down to your children, you know what? It happens at the family dinner table. Now, can it happen other places? Yes, it can. You know, I think about just being in the car and praying and my children hearing me pray in the car 
or praying for them as they walk out the door and praying over an exam that they've got that day or, you know, a situation with a friendship that they have that day that we know that they're walking through. You know what? Those moments matter. But those family dinner table moments matter too. And so I just want to take this information and really I want to empower you. And first of all, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip because I know we're all busy. I'm busy. But, but you know what? It's, I mean, I, I just start to think, think about your time and how much more valuable it is to sit down together versus drive through a drive through and eat in a car. Even if you get that food and bring it home and sit down together and have a conversation. Um, or, I mean, Paul and I, we've, We've had meals here at church together where this is the only place everybody can meet. And so you take food there. Um, we don't do that much, but we've done it. You know, you just make it work. So anyways, I say all this to say that it matters. And, and I think another thing that Pastor Paul was talking about on children modeling behavior, I just want to remind you, and, and, and there again, we see this when we look at research, that children emulate, they, they Im- imitate behavior. And the behavior, their relationships with their siblings, with their friends, with their future spouses, you know what it's most like? This relationship, how we treat each other. And sometimes when we hear our kids say things to each other, I think, oh, Lord, have mercy. We said that. I did that. but that's what it's like and so I think that we have to realize you know what we've got to treat each other with love with respect and let the Lord flow through us and I'm telling you family matters it all comes back to family and we're a family and we need to treat each other in this family this house of God we're a family so you know what we love each other I'm here for you I care about you and, and we got to do that in our families. So is that what you yeah. had in mind? Yeah. <laughs> With no notes. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Um, amen. You may be at a stage in your life where your kids are already out of the house. You know, everybody's at different stages. I would encourage you to start where you are. If it's just you and your spouse, Make sure to take some time to sit down and talk together at dinner. Um, something I, I do not like, I have done this, but I would like to point it out that everybody recognize that when you sit down to dinner with your spouse, with your um, future spouse, with a date, I hate to watch people at dinner with two heads and a phone. I mean, it sounds like a joke. It sounds like a, a three-headed monster or something, two heads and, and, and a phone. And they don't look at each other. They don't talk to each other. Put the phones down. Turn the phones off. They'll be there when you get back. You won't miss anything. Put the phone down. It is amazing what can happen when you look at somebody in the eyes and you listen to what they're saying. That took me a long time in marriage <laughs> to learn to listen to what was being said. There's a chapter in a book that I love that says, seek first to understand, then be understood. 
Seek first to understand, then be understood. If I will genuinely try to understand what you're saying, your ability to receive from me is going to be way more open. If you recognize that I'm paying attention to what you're saying. And at our dinner table, we're not breaking out the Bible and singing kumbaya every time we eat. In fact, it was funny, Elizabeth tried to do a devotional around Easter, and I'm telling you, it was, you, would, you would not think we were a pastor's family. It was funny, and it was not funny. But, I mean, it's real. Listen, we're here to be real. We're not here to play some game, we're here to be real. And I want you to know, in the, with the real Jesus Christ, there is hope, and there is purpose. There is a plan for you. There is a plan for your family, and it's a plan to do something awesome. Do something awesome. But when you sit down at dinner, we just talk. And sometimes, I've got, I've got older kids. I've got some that are in college, some that are graduating, some that are in middle school, some that are in high school. I've also got a wife who's a student at Tech and teaches at Tech. I mean, we've all got going a thousand ways. Sometimes our dinner table only has three people sitting at it. It's the way it's got to be. Others are doing stuff. It's okay. Sometimes we got four. Sometimes we've just got two. Other times, like last night, we had seven. We do what we can. We're not perfect. We struggle just like anyone else does. But when we sit down, what's so funny is the kids learn manners. It's the place they learn how to behave. When my kids stick their hands in the food and eat directly out of the bowl, they hear about it. And then they turn their heads and mom and dad are sticking their hands in the bowl. It's so funny. Elizabeth will never do it. She's got a nutrition background. She understands health and safety and washing hands and all that nonsense. I mean, I got... You would think we're laying hands on people at church and then we're spraying our hands with germs as sanitizer. Like, Jesus, where are you? You know, yeah, but we still need to wash our hands. But yeah, it's just funny. But sure enough, she's getting onto all of us, saying I'm the one that sticks my hands in the, in the fruit bowl or whatever. Whatever bowl it is, we stick our hands in it. I mean, we're country. We're redneck people. I don't care what you say. We just are. It's where we're from. It's just what you do. You go to the Dixie Stampede, they don't even give you utensils. And Elizabeth's like, I'm sorry I'm not doing this. Where's my utensils? They're like, you're not getting any. Finally, they found Jesus at the Dixie Stampede. We have figured this thing out. (laughs) But sure enough, getting on to them, stop sticking your hands in there. And then one time out of about 20, Elizabeth's hand's going in there. And every child's like, she did it. Like, I knew that's why y'all do that. It's because of her. It's not. It's because of me. But they learn so that when they're out from under that covering, they know what to do. You know, it says to guide a children in the way that they should go so that when they're out from under you, they will not depart from it. What's so funny is they act so much better away from home than they do at home. I will tell you, that's biblical. They're safe at home. They can drink out of the jug. No, we don't do that. I have before, but it's only when we're finishing it. Have I done that? 
But when they get out from under, they know how to behave. And that's happened at the dinner table, more so than anywhere else. Learning how to behave, learning how to share, learning how to pass and not get all the crescent rolls in one pass because everybody needs one. They all need one. Have you ever been at a buffet where somebody wipes out the meal before you can get to it? That child did not learn at the dinner table to wait. You'll get a second turn. Don't get it all in the first turn. And then they wind up eating three bites of it and leaving the whole thing on their plate. Drives me nuts. Somebody didn't learn how to behave at the dinner table. Amen? Church, we've got to eat and break bread together as a family. Church is not coming in here and sitting under a sermon. Church is family. We are a body. We've got to get together so that we can know each other and know how to help one another. Do you know it's at the dinner table we find out when tests are coming up, when homework is due, when lives are falling apart? You don't see it coming, and it can be awkward sometimes. And then if we've got a boyfriend there or a girlfriend there, and think, things get awkward at the dinner table. And these guys get to kind of test us and see, oh, this is who they really are. Yep, it is. You need to know what you're getting. Boyfriends and girlfriends need to sit at the dinner table. I'll find out about them. One time Bud took a, a Benadryl before we ate dinner, and I'm telling you, it was like truth serum. <laughs> We're having chili, and our dog's name's Chili, and he just starts kind of horse laughing at Chili. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? They're like, he had Benadryl. Oh, Bud, have you ever done drugs? <laughs> I'm not kidding. This meet the parents all right then. Hey, we got a chance. I can find out about this boy right now. Dads, you need to know who your kids are bringing home. Give them Benadryl. <laughs> Slip them a Mickey. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We only did that once to but No, I'm kidding. We never did that. <laughs> it's at the dinner table. Some of my closest friends, they know me better because we eat together. My family that eats, that we eat together with, get to know me. I get to know them. We as a body have got to take this from this place right in here to the dinner table. We've got to get together. We've got to get to know each other and know what each other's going through. Because our help is in here. The Lord is here. The Lord is coming for his church. There is power. The most powerful thing on this earth is the church. But it's not if we stay separated. Elizabeth said there's more ways to connect than just at the dinner table. And it's right here in this scripture. Talk about it when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. It's times that we have together. Turn the radio off, turn the TV off, and just connect. Make sure we're talking about our life, what we're going through. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's like putting it up in, uh, putting it on your uh, mirror as you're getting ready in the morning. Put it in your car as you're coming so that you see it when you're coming and when you're going. Elizabeth's written uh, a thing over my doorpost in my office. It was at the old office, and I transferred it to the new office. It's important to me. And she noticed that and saw it. Hey, you moved that down here. Of course I did. It's one of the most important things I have in my office is that word being spoken over me. 
Write it down so that when you're walking in and out, you've got the presence of the Lord, you've got the word of the Lord going first rather than your thought and your flesh and your stuff. It will get in the way and throw you off. Church, we at Church on the Hill are all about family. You young families trying to raise your kids, it's hard, but it's doable and you can do it. You parents that have teenagers, you know what? Even though the world says teenagers are going to hell in a handbasket, not my teenagers. Not mine. That word is not spoken over me. My word is, is that I will raise them up in the way that they should go. And when I do, they won't depart from it when they get out from under me. You guys with graduated kids, with kids out of the nest, I want you to know your authority and your place hasn't changed. Go read about Jacob. Go read about Abraham. Go read about these men of God that still had a place in their life to speak, to cover. We have a place. We must stand up. We must stand up. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter um, 30. I'm almost done. I'm just going to show you this slide before we go on. I want you to know that this is your choice. We've got such an awesome Lord that we follow that he does not force us to anything. He has given us a choice. He wants us to choose you. I had one of my children say, why weren't we just created to be perfect and to choose the Lord and to not have all these problems? And I said, well, I don't know. If I were, if, if I were God, this is really a dumb thing to even think, but if I were God, I would have created everybody perfect and everything just be great. But he didn't. He created us because he wanted us to choose him. He wanted to give us a choice to choose to love him, just like I choose to love my spouse. We chose each other. We didn't choose our children. Our children are, are ours given by God, but we had to choose this relationship, and we have to continually choose it. It's a continual choice, just like my relationship to the Lord is a choice, and he created us desiring us to choose him. So he's given us this free will. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says, today I've given you the choice. I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Heaven and earth is watching your choice. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Do you see the effectiveness of your choice? Verse 20. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. Do you not see the exa- almost the exact same wording in Deuteronomy chapter six? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and commit your lives wholeheartedly to him and to doing his commands. This word lines right up with it. This is how you make the choice, by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. This is the key to your life. And if you live the Lord, if you and if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You will live long. 
talks about that if we obey our parents, that is the first commandment with a promise, that we will live long in the land that the Lord thy God has given us. When we learn to obey our parents, we learn to obey God. I want you to know at that dinner table, you are teaching them to learn how to obey God by teaching them to learn to obey mom and dad. It is the picture that the Lord created for us at the dinner table to pass to our children to learn how to love God, to learn how to love each other. Let me tell you, it's hard to love your sibling, but you learn that at that dinner table. You learn that in those relationships, and you know what it says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. You're getting a piece of that at the dinner table. The whole you get a, you get a good piece of that at the dinner table. Do you guys follow that? So I want to encourage you. Make a stand. Stand up and do something. Stand up and do something. I'm going to close with this last scripture. It says choose between blessing and curses. Choose. And I want to take that one more step further. You know, you can make a choice, but never do. Anybody ever chose to go on a diet? Anybody ever chose to start a workout program? I mean, it's how Planet Fitness makes their money. They get you signed up, and then you never go. I didn't say you, Cindy. (laughs) If you'll let me finish, it's going to help you. Sign up and do. That's what's going to change your life. As good of a personal trainer as Cindy is, if you don't go, you will not change. As good as a personal trainer as the Holy Spirit is, if you don't go, you will not change. You can say, I'm going to choose my life to start serving the Lord, but if you don't go, you're not going to change. You have to go. You have to go. Make a stand. And I want to change that word from choose to prove it. Prove it. Tell me you're going to clean your room? Okay. Prove it. You tell me you're going to make a change right here in your study habits? Okay. Great. Thank you for telling me that. Now go prove it. Prove it. Prove it to me. And I will tell you to say to God, God, prove to me that you're full of hope that you're real, that you have a purpose for me. Prove it. God say, oh yeah, great. I love to prove my word to you. You know what that is? I'm faithful to my word. I will prove myself to you. Prove it. So we'll end with this one. This is a good one. Joshua chapter 24. It says, so fear the Lord. I want you to put a you in there. So you fear the Lord. And you serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols and your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. I want you to know that it says about removing those things, you've got to remove them. You can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, but God says, no, you go remove them. You got a problem in your house? Remove it. You remove it. I've given you the authority to remove it, but you got to remove it. Right? Thank you. But if you refuse, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then you choose today whom you will serve. 
Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, as another, another translation says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a great scripture, but you got to prove it. Prove it. Church on the hill, let's prove it. It's not something that we're necessarily doing as a big church body. It's something we're going to do at the dinner table. It's something that we're going to do within our household. If we change our household, it'll change this household. If we change this household, it will change our city. If we change our city, it'll change our nation. God is for us. God is for you. You can do it, but you've got to start. Start right where you are. Start right where you are. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Let's be an encourager of the family. Go ahead. Come on. This is family. You guys stand up with me. I'm going to pray over you. Quit taking a beating in your family. Quit taking a beating in your life. Turn this table around and start serving the Lord wholeheartedly in his word. And then we start teaching it to our kids. I'm telling you, it is going to be one of the most amazing things that you've ever had happen. Marriages turned around. Kids turned around. Jobs turned around. God blessing us. The favor of the Lord being upon us. Doesn't that sound good? Father, in Jesus' name.